That's the juice for me, man. That's the juice for me. One second separated almost 10 different cars, eight different teams. Like, that's what I want to see more of. And welcome back to Formula Breakdown. It's round 10, the Austrian Grand Prix 2023. It's in the pocket. It's out of sight. I'm joined again with Caleb. Caleb, how you doing, man? Good. Doing good. It was a interesting weekend. Long weekend. I think we're going to try something a little different today where we talk about all the events that happened Saturday for the sprint shootout and the sprint race first. And then we're going to move on to Friday's qualifying and Sunday's race to just help us stay a little bit more organized. Yeah, because the FIA doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I was able to follow it better than when we were in Azerbaijan. Yeah, same here. And we, you and I both got like a little switched up on the qualifyings. Right off the bat, of course, on Saturday for the sprint shootout, which is really just sprint qualifying. Marketing. Yeah, race control continued with their lap deletions, which we carried over from Friday. Of course, the track was a little bit different Saturday. Um, it was wet. It wasn't raining, but it had rained and it was wet. So we had kind of teams struggling to find the tire that they needed. And in general, I made a note, like the top three teams behind Red Bull, like Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, really were kind of struggling in this session. And that kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for our our midfield guys and, and guys who really love this track, of course, like Lando, who we'll be talking about a lot this weekend. The Haases on a one-lap pace on the right track continue to look really great. But, you know, you had a really bad start for Ferrari. They did manage to rescue it at the end, but you had issues like Signs only had one lap in SQ1. And he managed to put in, like, the best time in SQ1 with that one lap. That was super impressive. And then you had Leclerc, who got a penalty for impeding and barely snaked his way into SQ2, and then you go over to Mercedes, who had an even worse Saturday. Russell, of course, had mechanical issues and wasn't able to continue into SQ2, and he still failed, fared better than Hamilton, who didn't make it out of SQ3, which was really strange. But just, you know, great results from Lando here, who very notably loves this track and is in an upgraded McLaren. And, you know, you also had Haas, who snuck into SQ3. So it seemed like it was going to be an entertaining sprint race. Did you find yourself understanding the sprint weekend this time better? Because I know last time we were doing a sprint race, you, you kind of got confused about the qualifyings or you watched the, the race, the sprint race, and you were confused about why everybody was in a different spot. Did you have it cleared up this weekend? Yeah, whenever I looked at it as Saturday is just about sprint racing, then it was like, okay, I, I got to watch these two things that happened today. Back to back, I was able to listen to actual qualifying on Friday while I was at work. So I was like, okay, I still got another qualifying to listen to or watch, and I've got a race to watch today. So I was able to at least keep it on the tracks this time, unlike all the drivers were this weekend. But yeah, so it was a little bit more clear for me this time. Hopefully by, I think Austin is our next sprint race. So that's near the end of the year. So we'll be a little bit maybe a little bit more organized. I almost just wish they would switch it. Like just put the sprint day on Friday, just make it Friday. You know, I don't know if they're worried about selling tickets for like Friday morning event. That's probably a factor because most people, at least over here in the Western hemisphere are working on Friday, but maybe they're worried they won't sell as many tickets to a full Friday event and they'd rather have two things going on on Saturday, but it would just make much more sense 
structurally to not have to like qualify two times in a row and then like set that first qualifying aside for a second qualifying <laughs> it's kind of more the same there was some differences between these qualifying sessions but not hugely other than like maybe hamilton you know not making a q1 here but i think you know the fia is making this effort to use less tires and use less fuel and they're wanting to be uh, zero emissions by 2030 or something like that i forgot what the actual call to action is. But anyways, they're trying to do that, but yet now we're doing two qualifyings and two races in a weekend, which it's great for a fan, but you know, these for at least the environmental aspect of it and and also just how many tires they use on a weekend, which it's absurd if you like ever have seen the tire yard, how many tires that they actually go through, that Pirelli goes through. So I'm still in the same boat of, I think we just need a qualifying. That qualifying sets you up for the sprint. And wherever you finish on the sprint is where you start the race. I think that makes the sprint more interesting. It makes people want to battle a little bit harder. Hey, let me get that third, fourth place position so I'm not starting on the third row. So I'm at least starting on the second row. I think it just makes it better to flow through the whole weekend. I think if they're trying to cram more action into F1... Are the race weekends? I think they just need to do a better job promoting Formula Two. Like push that, yeah, or that. Like maybe put that on the F one app for. I mean, I know it's already on the F one, F one TV, and it's broadcast in its own kind of spaces. But I, I feel like if you're just trying to create more action and hype those guys up more, get us more excited and learn, teach us more about those drivers and those teams, and and invest us more into what those guys are doing, and treat that like a big deal instead of just making these same 20 drivers and teams work basically twice in one weekend. Yeah. And I mean, they had like F1 Academy, their female series there this weekend, which nobody heard anything about that. So like they're doing a horrible job at at getting the word out on that. Yeah. So I agree. Like they should just promote it better. So yeah, not, not too much to write home about from sprint qualifying because it was pretty close to being a repeat of what we saw on Friday, other than the guys we mentioned but really, the best part of Saturday was the start of the sprint race, which was insane, as we had light rain pouring, a great launch from Checo, who finally started to kind of look like himself again. Everybody was struggling for grip, though. Really couple of hairy first turns. We had Checo pushing Max, really dramatic moment. But of course, by lap two, Max was kind of back in control. And my note is now we have had five weeks in a row with rain or the threat of rain. Italy, of course, called off entirely. Humanitarian crisis there, horrible. Monaco poured near the end of the race, which created broken wings and multiple incidents. Spain, we actually didn't have rain. I thought we had rain in Spain but it was raining during a qualifying session for F2, and then it had left the track kind of wet, but that threat of rain had loomed over the whole weekend. Of course, we had a wet quality in in Canada, and now we had rain during the sprint race, so that really kind of helped keep things interesting for these 24 laps or so. We did see quite a bit of fighting up and down the field as Leclerc and the Mercedes both kind of had to muscle their way up the order. And then my favorite moment of the whole thing, Madman George Russell rolled it back to Canada 2022, still wet all over the track and said, give me some slicks. So about two two thirds of the way through the race, he put on some slicks, mad respect. I love how he makes those calls from the cockpit sometimes. And then several other drivers followed him. You know, it didn't, I don't know. I think it paid off for the Mercedes cars 
somewhat. I think it helped them jump a few places. But then you saw like the top seven didn't make those changes. Yeah, because when it's wet, when you're starting a wet race, you don't have to change your tires. There's not a, hey, you've got to change all these tires. So George doing that, I think, was a pretty good call. I mean, he went from P15 in qualifying for the sprint all the way, and he finished in P8 on the sprint race. So made up a lot of places, got one point out of it. That's one more point than Hamilton got this weekend. So it was a pretty good call, I think, by by him. Yeah, he ended up getting a point and great moment where he was racing Ocon to the line, only lost out by like a thousandth of a second or something like that. Really awesome action there right at the end with those two. Really, no one else benefited hugely from it. We did see Nico drop out of fourth place to put on some slicks, and he did manage to get back to sixth which is probably where he would have ended up even if he had stayed out on slicks, on inter- enters. But he got three points, which for Haas right now, that's really huge. So mega result for him. Did see Lando, after having some really promising qualifying sessions, drop down to ninth, just outside the points. Yeah, he got stuck in between a fight between Max and Sergio, and I don't think he really had anywhere to go, but but not. And then I think his anti-lag or anti-stall, I mean, happened on the car. So the car just didn't get going off of that turn right at the beginning of the sprint race. So he just had some more misfortune as has been his entire year. Not a great launch, bad opening couple of laps. Yeah. But I mean, besides that late race tire change, even with the added element of the weather, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of a tame 24 laps. Like that's kind of how I always feel leaving these shootouts. It's nice. It's nice in the moment. It's like eating cotton candy or like popcorn to me. Like they're nice in the moment, but I never walk away feeling overly satisfied. Nothing really sticks with me too much. If you're trying to feed us cotton candy, Formula One, you succeeded. It was nice in the moment, but it didn't leave a very lasting impression like the actual races and qualifying sessions do. Caleb, how'd you feel about the sprint Saturday? You know, I think the races are just the right length. These drivers aren't stupid. They're not going to put their car in bad positions most of the time, at least. They try not to. So, yeah, it was just enough. Like, once Max got ahead and then the rain stopped, like, it was kind of interesting. You're kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, I think best case scenario happened for this sprint race to make it a little bit more interesting. If it was dry, it would have just been super boring. They would just ran 24 practice laps, basically. Because, you know, if you're within the points on the sprint race, like, you don't really have much to lose or gain. Like, just stay there and let's get to the race where, you know, the big paycheck is. Another sprint weekend down, another sprint race and shootout done. But before that, we actually had a regular qualifying session. Jumping back to Friday, we got to see our first glimpse at race control show us that they are not messing around, which kind of shook me alive, kind of woke me up because we saw this last year as well. Turn nine to turn 10, laps getting deleted left, right, and center. It caused a lot of struggles for certain drivers, including Perez and George Russell, who didn't make it into Q2. This was actually Perez's fourth time in a row, not making it to Q3. That opened the door for some really great results for drivers as we saw actually eight different teams make it to Q3 
including people like Lando Norris and Alex Albon, who continues to drag those weights that are tied to the back of a Williams car into Q3. And and I actually think this was my highlight of the weekend. This was an extremely exciting, tense qualifying session. The, the added element of track times being deleted live, especially near the end of each qualifying stage, was really exciting. Like, I don't know how else to word it. Like, it, other than maybe like a wet qualifying session, I think this is about as tense and engaging of a qualifying you could ask for from Formula One. It ended up being really entertaining to me. Did you have any notes about this Friday qualifying that you, I think you said you listened to it, but did you get a chance to watch it back and what kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, every time something kind of notable would happen, I would kind of peer at my phone real quick. You know, I just had the phone flipped over while I was working, but yeah, I wish I would have been able to watch it live or, you know, there's no way I would have made it throughout the whole day. I mean, I'm sitting at a computer all day and there's no way I would have made it without seeing some kind of spoiler. And sure enough, I, did, I didn't see a spoiler, but it would have been a spoiler because I did see stuff pop up later in the day. I think it was one of the better qualifyings, if not the best qualifying we've had this year, just because you had that threat of the track limits happening on turn 9 and 10. I think it just made for a really fun and interesting qualifying lots of parody going on who's going to get cut out who's not going to make it you, you really didn't know because it seemed like everybody was kind of riding that line of being on track or being off track everybody's a, a millimeter is a few tenths on these cars and you know qualifying was close Leclerc almost had max he they were extremely close so max goes off or something like that then you've got Leclerc on pole. Yeah, that was actually really exciting to see how close their one lap pace was getting again, because I think Max only got him by like a tenth a couple of different times. So kind of reminded you that last year, this was the last time Max, this was the last time Charles won a race last year, I think, here in Austria. Yeah, I mean, the top nine cars were within a second of each other in Q3. So, and then Alex was just a little bit off of that. He was about a second and a half. So, I mean, that was a really close field. And I, I think the, just the weekend and the weather and just the times being deleted left and right, it really made qualifying pretty exciting. Honestly, I think I look forward to qualifying more than I do the races most weeks because we kind of know how the races are going to shake out. But because of all the added elements of traffic, maybe weather and maybe track limits and penalties and stuff like that, qualifying tends to be my favorite part of every weekend. Like I could always count on it, even if the race ends up being a foregone conclusion or it's a, something like Monaco where there's no passing. I could always count on qualifying to be a really fun hour, hour and a half staged, structured progression. I feel like we usually get our surprises there because, you know, a Haas... And uh, Alex Albon, uh, Delando Norris can hook up a one lap and really surprise us. And it could turn into points later on, like we saw Esteban Ocon qualify really well at Monaco and then land on the podium. Esteban Ocon got a podium in 2023. Like, that's huge. That's because of an entertaining qualifying session that had a lot of stuff going on. So really appreciate this qualifying session. I, I may actually go back and watch it again because... That's just how entertained I was by it. And I don't know if maybe they just caught me at the end of the week and I really needed a pick-me-up and that was it. Um, but I just really enjoyed everything I was seeing. When Formula One looks competitive, like you said, all these guys were within a second. That's the juice for me, man. That's the juice for me. One second separated almost 10 different cars, eight different teams. Like, that's what I want to see more of. I know realistically, we probably won't ever be there on a Sunday, but this is what I want. Yeah, I think the only thing that could have made it better was if it was on Saturday and not Friday. Yes. Yep. Yes. 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 Yes
So we had to kind of like flush everything we had watched Saturday, which is another problem with the the weekend schedule. Like you kind of have to like say, cool, that was a nice Saturday of racing. Now I need to remember what I watched Friday and flush all this stuff out of my system from Saturday because none of it really matters today. And that just kind of breaks up the momentum of the weekend. First thing I just have to say this, I think Austria is one of the most beautiful tracks we have in the whole season. Like they did those nice sweeping shots of kind of the hills and, and the landscape. It just shoots really well. Like it almost doesn't look real like it looks like it was made for a video game yeah and all the orange looks amazing yes and then you have all the red bull fans and the kind of red bull centerpiece like it just looks it looks like it should have been made for a formula one production yeah i'm sure red bull tailors it especially the on track or in especially the track experience for fans and stuff it seems like a pretty cool racetrack did you see the little uh dude with the jetpack eat shit i saw them cut to oscar piastri sitting <laughs> alone in the paddock watching that yeah he's like oh, oh no my God. Uh, no <laughs> uh i saw that later and it was pretty i was like man i wish i would have seen that like before i'm glad oscar had that because he didn't have much else going on this weekend so i'm no, glad he, he had that he had the second rate car this he weekend. did he did I, i'm i'm excited for him to get his package his upgraded package i think he gets that at silverstone yeah he gets it next week i'll be watching to see what he could do because if he can get anywhere even close to lando they'll be really taking it back to alpine yeah so race first thing of course yuki with a disastrous first lap caused an almost immediate safety car yellow flag immediately and then max got to do the rolling restart started pulling away and it looked like it was going to be just another one of those races where you kind of wave goodbye to max on lap three or four and you have to pay attention to you know the fight for 14th place the whole race fortune kind of smiled on us around lap 14 or 15 but it didn't smile on hulkenberg who kind of had a mechanical failure car started to smoke i think it was a power unit issue which caused another safety car interestingly though it got called right after max and both ferraris passed the pit lane so it looked like those guys weren't going to get a free pit stop when a bunch of the other guys were but they did get to come back around because the ferraris did get a free pit stop but max didn't do it they stuck to their strategy. And I think, I don't think Perez got a free pit stop either. I think Red Bull no. is so confident in their strategy, the pace of their car and their drivers, that they said, we don't need that free pit stop. We're sticking to our plan. But what did happen is we actually had Leclerc leading the Grand Prix for a little while, which I think ended Max. I think Max ended up with like 200. In like a four race streak. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it ended this. up being 249 laps led concurrently, which I don't know if that's the record, but I know it's getting close to the record it was it was very close to the record i forget the exact number but it was this weekend he would have broke the record so and i don't know if sprint races count with all that but anyways yeah see i don't know if they're counting the sprint race either because you know that's still kind of a new thing that past drivers didn't have but anyway that particular incident caused for some really great racing up front that we desperately deserved uh especially like between carlos and checo like we got to see some really fun stuff happening up front and really appreciated that what'd you think of that strategy were you like kicking red bull in your head at that moment or did you think no this is going to work out for them because obviously they're sticking to their strategy 
for a second I was like, eh, this is kind of weird. Like, I guess they just got caught out. And then I realized, oh, they didn't bring Perez in either. So then I was like, okay, that's weird. But I think, I mean, literally my note is I think Red Bull is so confident in their car and their drivers that they know, hey, we're just going to throw on a set of hards and just march through the field. Won't be that hard. Like, I think they're just so confident in that car that they know they have the outright pace compared to anybody else on the field. And they do. I mean, they maybe actually had to turn the jets on a little bit this race. I think they had to work for it a little bit more. Like A little bit. Max only beat Charles by about five seconds. Yeah. Of course, he did go in for the soft tires and got the fastest lap. So Yeah, that's taking 20 seconds off or so. Yeah. Well, never mind. I forgot he went for fastest lap. So (laughs) That's how confident they are at this track. Yeah. No. Well, it paid off for them. Of course, in the midst of all this happening, we are cutting to various radio messages and graphics popping on screen of track limits, black and white flags, penalties. At one point, I don't remember if it was Alex or Jolian, but he said, I want to see a yellow card for whinging, which (laughs) made me bust out laughing because these guys in the cockpit, all of them, I'm not going to pick on anybody. The first one I heard was Lando. And then Hamilton was slowly losing his mind through this race. I thought Hamilton was just going to pull the car over and park it. I thought he was done. Absolutely pissed. Because Hamilton's kind of part of that old school, like, you don't just bother too much about sitting in the car tattling on other people. Yeah. And, you know, everybody was doing it. I mean, uh, we had all told 11 different penalties given out to 10 different drivers. Ocon got 30 seconds worth of penalties. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. But truthfully, like, this race might be the best pure race I think we've seen this year. There was great passing up and down the field. We even saw some racing up at the front. And commentary made a joke about that as well, saying, In 2023, you are seeing a battle for first place at Formula One. And I laughed, but you know what, Caleb? I was pissed off about that too. Because we deserve more racing at the front. And I'm pissed that these other teams cannot catch Red Bull. So I laughed, but I had that thought in the back of my head, like, I don't think that's real funny, Julian. (laughs) We're... We're the ones having to tune into this every week, you know? Yeah, I think other than maybe Australia and then the first race, because we just didn't know what was going to happen on the first race. So that was kind of entertaining seeing like Aston Martin getting up in the field. But yeah, this has been by far one of the more, I guess, entertaining races because you're like, okay, who's going to get penalties? They're all going to serve them for pit stops because not a bunch of people changed tires yet. So they're going to be slow pit stops. So who's going to roll up the field and who's going to benefit? And I kept waiting for Max to get it because he is great at running off the track so he must have kept it between the the two white lines the whole race because he didn't get a single one well he's so quick that i think he was probably affording himself a little bit of margin every lap and then just gunning it through the rest of it because it was happening the same place for everybody turn nine into turn 10 we'll get to our thoughts of that at the end but you mentioned australia australia was entertaining in like a car crash viva la bam jackass sort of way like it was madness and restarts and collisions and dnfs i think Barely half the field actually finished and it was under a red flag. This to me is the best, I think, pure racing that we've seen. And I think it's partly due to the track being shorter and it's partly due to these teams with their upgraded machines and things are a lot more competitive and close, maybe aside from Red Bull. But I think this may be the best pure race we've seen all year. Just some really nice battles up and down the field. We saw at one point Signs, he took Hamilton and then in short order, he overtook Perez and he made it look easy. I think Signs was probably, you know, I know he didn't 
finish on the podium, but I think he was probably my driver of the day. And I know he had a penalty and he ended up like sixth or something, but made so much entertaining television today, Carlos Sainz. I wish they had given him more of a shot to get around Leclerc and like make a charge. Yeah, I think he had the outright pace compared to Leclerc for sure. I mean, he looked way better than Leclerc did. Now, yeah, Leclerc got second and got to be on the podium, but I definitely think if they would have let Sainz go by, I think we could have easily have seen him on a podium. Yep, I think so as well. All of that entertaining stuff was happening, but we did end up with our usual suspects in the top eight, save for Lando Norris, who took fourth. Very nearly got a podium. Really entertaining stuff. I, I think this is where Lando belongs, and honestly, if we're being real, Lando Norris was the MVP of this weekend. This is his favorite place to race, I think, and it showed. And, and I'm kind of curious what you think. Do you think this was mostly Lando and a little bit of the upgraded McLaren, or do you think it was equal parts or more the machine and less Lando? Well, I mean, Pastry didn't do great. He didn't. He no. was 16th. And they're usually close to each other. I mean, they're, they're usually like within four or five places of each other. This time they're on opposite ends of the field. So I think it's definitely Lando, but it's also a lot with that car. I think that car is a lot better than what it has been in the past with these upgrades. And I'm really interested to see what kind of stuff they do at Silverstone. You know, this is kind of like a home base track for them. It's a home base track for a lot of these teams, but you know, they'll be able to take what they learned this weekend and apply it to next weekend. So that car should just be even that much better. Granted, you can say that about the whole field because they're all going to tweak their car from this weekend to next, but I'm interested to see the two cars on the same field and see how Piastri does if he can maybe get into the points again. Yeah, I feel like what we see is after each team member gets their upgraded car, they get much closer. I feel like the Ferraris have been stuck together like glue since they got their upgrade. I feel like the Aston Martins have been a little bit closer since they got their upgrade. Stroll's been finishing a little bit closer to Fernando, closer into the points and stuff like that. I feel like Lewis and George always end up nearby each other, unless there's a mechanical issue or something, but they finished right next to each other again. Anyway, I just had to bring up Lando because mega week for him. Super important points for him as well. 12 points in 2023 for McLaren. That's game changing and it keeps them in that fight with Alpine, who are still a little up the road for them in the constructor standings, but not, not completely out of reach so Lando and Oscar are both going to need to turn in some good performances at these next few races I think if they want a shot at staying in that fight with those guys yeah man and I mean I don't think we could avoid this any longer the stewards this weekend throwing out penalties left and right during the race deleting laps during the qualifying sessions how did you feel about this do you think it added to the overall experience of the weekend or is it just like this is what they do in Austria and it's what they decided we just have to roll with it it kind of becomes annoying at a point I mean it's like, yeah, they need to keep it between the two lines. But, you know, Albon made a great point in their post-race show. And he was saying, like, for one, the calls for over limits were coming, like, 15, 20 laps later. So whenever he got the penalty, he was like, okay, I've got my warning. I'm going to try and keep it between two lines and not go off track and then he would get a penalty again he's like what the heck I, I know I haven't done it these past two laps and then it just kept on happening and happening and then you get your penalty well little did he know all those warnings were coming from like the first 10 laps so he really had no chance to even correct himself because so many people were running off track that I guess the FIA was just understaffed and they couldn't get the message to drivers quick enough and I think that's what was maybe pissing off Hamilton as well he might not have known it at the time but he's like what the heck is going on like i'm not getting off track um they were saying the track was really windy 
and that was kind of blowing the cars around a little bit. Who knows how much truth there is to that? That could just be driver speak, and they're trying to cover up what actually happened. I don't like the argument that people are like, oh, these are the best drivers in the world. Why can't they just keep it on the road? Like, they're trying to exploit every little inch, millimeter that they can. You try doing something really well at 200 miles per hour. Yeah, like it's, it's it's a lot easier said than done like yeah it's one thing to go get on like an f1 video game and keep it between the lines but it's a whole different thing when you're out there and your paycheck and your livelihood is kind of on the line so i think the fia should change something on the track make it to where the drivers don't want to push that limit whether you put a curb or some or logan Sargent said put like a strip of grass there so you know there's no benefit to going out that far you're just going to hit grass and probably spin out also feel like that car is kind of pulling them out that way because they're sliding and i feel like the car just naturally drifts onto that so you'd almost have to fight your car to stay there thus losing time which is why they're not naturally doing it every every time they come around or just take track limits off on those corners i mean that's pretty simple to do other racing series does that where certain corners don't have track limits certain ones do the ones that are harder to you know really judge are i mean i think you just maybe give it a little bit more of a barrier but then again you you know widen out that strike zone so to say well the drivers are going to exploit that even more so if they can just get that little bit more curve into the corner and they can carry that little bit more speed they're going to exploit that so they're going to have to put rock or grass or a curb or something there just as a wall so that drivers can't do that but this track is shared by many different racing series including MotoGP, so they can't really do anything permanent right there because other racing series are allowed to use that area so it's kind of a kind of between a rock and a hard place i don't really know where to fall i understand the fia's point of view i also understand the driver's point of view on it yeah, I mean, I think that's very good points. I think those are things that could be done. I have a different take. How I felt after qualifying on Friday, I felt the quick fire track deletions for exceeding limits of the white line actually made the experience of watching qualifying really exciting, tense, engaging. Anything could happen so fast paced. It was fun because you could see someone jump up to second place and then you're like, oh, they made it through. That's crazy. And then you see them lap deleted and then you saw the entire group move up a spot and it changed the entire culture of the qualifying session where someone who's about to be on the bubble and get eliminated suddenly made it through that was juice like that felt really engaging to me but then they kept those same enforcement rules for the actual race and i found that it turned what was engaging and suspenseful and qualifying kind of turned into a freaking math equation like i would be watching hamilton in fourth or fifth place thinking well yeah but he's got that penalty so really he's in sixth and the thing that was really disappointing is the way we saw the drivers finish the race was not the final order after these penalties were administered because almost none of these drivers served their penalties at their pit stops most of them just had them added on to their final race time so you saw like carlos finish fourth but then he had that penalty and he dropped down to sixth and then you had hamilton finish seventh but with his penalty added on he was behind george so he finished eighth. i hate that crap like, I don't think it's fun for me, the viewer. Like, I don't want to have to go look online to see where someone ended up or wait to the very end of the freaking broadcast to see the final grid. You know, that's not fun. I want to see what happens at the checkered flag and some finality to that. It's the same reason you and I lost it about that mess with Alonzo earlier this year where he was on the podium and then he wasn't on the podium and then he was off the podium and he's back on the podium. That sucks. Don't do that to us. Like, we want to enjoy your race and see it finished and know that that's the end. So I think for a one lap, 
pace, I think you should be really strict with, with that white line. I think that's fair because the margin of a one lap qualifying, we've seen it even this weekend with Charles and Max where they're like, a thousandth off each other, you know? So if we're talking that fine of a margin between being first and second, okay, fine. That track limit matters a lot. But once we go to a race pace, is Lewis Hamilton really getting that big of an advantage going over that white line when he's right in, in front of Lando Norris? I don't think it's that big of a deal for the race. So I say stay strict for qualifying and then loosen up a little bit on the race. And I feel like that's what a lot of other tracks on the schedule do, but these guys don't. We saw this last year too. And I think that's how I would handle it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I think they just need to at least get the penalties to the drivers within a lap when it's something like that. I get some things take a little bit longer to review, but if you know it's a race that is historically has track limits, then get some more people to review footage and just get a camera on 9 and 10. Just sit like five people there and make them watch it because it's pretty predictable what corner it was going to be. So I think they just need to get the penalties to drivers sooner because then the drivers will be like, okay, I got to dial it back. Everybody's getting these. Like, let me pull this back. You know, they never had the opportunity to correct their wrongs because they were hearing penalties from 20 laps beforehand. And so they really never had a chance to even fix anything. Yeah, I think it was just way... Like, we made fun of Australia for their three red flags, but today Esteban Alcon set a, a record four penalties to be given to him in one race. You know, there was so much stuff for race control to review. I don't think they were even able to go over it all. It really kind of soured what was, to me, very entertaining track action. I think at the end of the day, it didn't ruin the race for me at all, Like, because I still found myself really enjoying the wheel-to-wheel stuff that was happening and the strategy that we got to see with the tires both on saturday and sunday but like i, I kind of wish that wasn't there it's not fun to see a brand new graphic on formula one tv with like here's the five drivers who have penalties so add five seconds to wherever you're seeing them at right now that sucks i don't want to have to think about that and like you mentioned the same thing as well like hulkenberg was getting track limit warnings like after he had already retired like these guys were behind like they couldn't even keep up with it so who's this really helping so but i mean all in all really entertaining race what do you think about the race Caleb and you know if you had to give it a grade what would you give it yeah I think this was probably a B plus race I think it was probably one of my more favorite ones to watch granted I told you I fell asleep halfway in the middle of it but I was just sleepy so but I got to see all the important parts of it and I wish I would have stayed awake but there was definitely a lull and I think you have that with every F1 race there's never just wheel to wheel the entire race you're going to kind of get stuck in a DRS train here and there and have this you know boring part of the race that just happens all the time but yeah I thought it was enjoyable I would probably rewatch the whole weekend again. I think the weekend as a whole was pretty enjoyable to watch. I'm, I'm guessing me and you are probably on the same page. Oh yeah, this was an A for me easily. Could have done without Saturday, to be honest. Again, to me, it was like empty calorie food. It was like drinking a soda. I enjoyed it in the moment, but afterwards it didn't add anything to me. But best qualifying of the season so far. And I think really the best pure race of the season so far. Yes, there was madness in Australia and Monaco, but to me, this was like pure Formula One, the way I'd like to enjoy it all the time. Really hard to complain here. This is a great track, and I'm really happy we're in this stretch of tracks. Not looking forward to another sprint race in a few weeks. I think Belgium is the next sprint race, which I don't think is too far off. Great weekend. Caleb, we got Silverstone next, which legendary track. One of your favorites. What are you hoping to see? If you could pick one thing you want to see at Silverstone. More rain and Lando on a podium. You want another week of freaking rain? Sure. <laughs> 
I'd love to see Lando. I, I really think Lando deserves a podium this year for what he's had to go through the past couple of seasons. Like, and to have that at home at Silverstone would be great. So, and I think next week will be a real litmus test for just how good that upgrade is versus just kind of him being on a track that he's always performed well on. So we'll definitely, we'll be watching McLaren closely next week. So yeah, cruising right towards the summer break. Love this race. I'm hoping for more next week. Caleb, thank you for joining me, man. And thank you for listening to us. Make sure you follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on YouTube at Formula Breakdown, and we'll see you next time.